neighbor, you are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. In 2022, we are studying the Bible together through the lens of our theme, Life is a Garden. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Hey, if this is your first time here, welcome. This is a great day to be here. We're in the middle of a series called Life is a Garden, which we've been in through the whole year. We've been tracing the idea of garden and garden metaphors, uh, growing, harvesting, producing, pruning, watering, weeding, all these kind of things throughout the Bible, mainly looking at the storyline of Scripture from the Garden of Eden, where you find humanity placed in this garden, partnering with God in perfect fellowship and harmony, and then the results of their departure from God's will, and them reaching out to take for themselves the, the wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil and making those decisions and, and the kind of the brokenness that follows, but how God continues to call people to high places or to, to gardens or under trees, and he calls them back into this relationship to represent him to all humanity. And so we found Noah in the ark landing on this high mountain, building an altar. We found God calling Abram from under the trees to go and listen to the voice of God, and he continues his relationship with uh, God. We find Moses up on a high mountain, finding God's presence burning in this tree bush, um, and then God bringing the Israelites out back to that same mountain where God's presence falls in this cloud of fire on top of the mountain, and God invites Israel to come up and to join him um, in, in this new relationship. And we found the Israelites said, no, you know, Moses, you go for us. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at Jesus, um, how Jesus ascends a high mountain, and he's transfigured in front of his, a couple of his disciples. And the cloud once again descends and God's voice comes down. And, and it's this call of, you know, on our lives to ascend the mountain, to meet with God, to be his representatives in this world, and that he can work through us to restore what was in the beginning, which is this, this garden ideal. And what we're going to look at in a couple weeks is the very end of the story where once again, the garden ideal is restored, that heaven once again will come down from the heavens and heaven and earth will be joined once again, God ruling and reigning, humanity partnering with him for all of eternity. But what we find ourselves is kind of in this in-between, what, what was given to us in the beginning, what is promised to us as believers in the end, we find ourselves reaching, you know, kind of both directions, reaching forward into this kingdom of heaven that is a reality now and bringing it into reality in our own lives, but still living amongst a world that is broken and uh, finding ways to bring the garden ideal forward into our lives today. So um, if you haven't been with us and you want to go back and get the in-depth version of all of that, you can go to the website newgarden.church 2022. All those slides and lessons are available there. But today what I want to do is keep it pretty simple. Um, Jesus was an amazing storyteller. I mean, one of the reasons that we can have confidence in the fact that we have the words of Jesus, what Jesus spoke to his disciples, you know, they, they didn't write these things down 
like as he was saying them. It was like years later that they started to think back and to put these things down into, into the story of Jesus. But the, the, one of the reasons, besides the Spirit you know, leading them, that they could remember is how Jesus taught and the, the ways that he taught. About a third of his teachings are parables, just stories, which are easy to remember. I mean, we love stories. We pay billions of dollars a year to go to the movie theater and watch stories being presented to us. And when we leave the theater, you know, it's two weeks later, we're not like, what happened in that movie? Did Iron Man win or lose? You know, I can't remember. It's like, no, we, we can remember almost like every detail, especially if we watch the movie more than once. Like it just cements ourselves. And so these disciples, they follow Jesus over and over in every town. Jesus tells the same parable, same parable, a little bit different, same parable, but they, they get the story in their heads and they're able to later sit down and remember exactly what Jesus had to say. So the way that he taught was, was simple. And he would just see stuff. He'd say, hey, see the farmer? When he, when he throws seed, you know, some of it falls on, on rocky soil. You know this. Some of it falls among the weeds. Some of it, it just doesn't produce at all. But some of it falls in the good ground, and it's good. You think about Isaiah. You know, he, again, he's just a poet who has this prophetic vision. He goes around, and one day he's passing the potter's house, and he sees the potter in there at the wheel taking this clay and molding something, and it's misshapen, and so he breaks it down and starts over, and then he goes to the people of Israel, and he says, guys, God is the potter. We're the clay. You know, taking things in our lives and bringing truth out of them. And so what I wanted to do today is just give you kind of four garden ideas that you already know, um, but hopefully we can look at them and just be encouraged this morning and this week as we go out. So thinking about the garden and thinking about our lives, um, the pandemic, it forced people home. And so more and more people planted gardens over the past few years in their own backyard and really understand the work and the toil uh, of what, what it means um, to plant and to water and to produce and do all these things. And so the, the first thing that I think we can learn is this, is that just like a garden, our lives have seasons. And what this is, this is, this is really about perspective. Um, in Ecclesiastes, you have the author presenting the teachings of who he calls the teacher. And the teacher comes on the scene and he says, listen, I have seen all of life. I have tried all of life. And ultimately, life is hevel, which gets translated meaningless in our translations. But really, a, a better translation would be like just a conundrum. You know, it's like, yes, if you follow the wisdom of God, it should lead to a good life, a productive life. Things should go well with you. But I see good people, and they die young. I see hard workers who are poor. I, I see people doing what is right, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. It's, it's meaningless in the sense that, man, it's, just, it's hard to comprehend. It's, it's hevel. And so he says, all of life is hevel. You know, and I've tried it all. I've, I've tried all pleasure. I've, I've tried um, living you know, as a rich person. I've tried all kinds of things. And at the end of life, you know what? You just, you never know. But he does come in chapter 3, and he comes to the, the point, and he says, listen, in life, there is a time for everything. Oh, I think I clicked it too many times. 
Let me go back. My clicker. Hey, Alex, can you go back to... Uh, now it's catching up. There is a time for everything. And this, you could just think about your life, right? There's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And it seems like we never really find ourselves in the, you know, the same season of life that other people do. But I think what the teacher is trying to say is, listen, it's a season. Just like a garden, your life has a season. And if you have the perspective to understand that Whatever I'm going through right now, whether it's enjoyable and I feel like I'm in a good spot, or whether it is difficult and it is hardship right now, understanding the perspective of it is probably a season in your life that will eventually change. So in the good times, you know, store up for yourselves for the seasons to come. In the hard times, put your hope in maybe what is next, but the times, they do change. My dad, who's here this morning, so he was a marriage and family counselor for a long time, and um, I learned a lot from just what he had to say. And one of the things, I think, I don't know if he, he meant for this to be applied this way, but in marriage, he would always try, or in counseling, um, he would always say, you know, when you come to a situation, maybe where you and your spouse see things differently, take a step back and give it a rating from 1 to 10. 10 being, this is very important, it's a hill to die on, you know, it's worth an argument, it's worth standing up for it, and then one is like, it doesn't matter at all. So in those moments where you face, like, somebody says something to you, whether it's your spouse or somebody else, they say something, and you want to bite back, or you want to do whatever it is, you know, take just a second and think, okay, how important is this to fight over if it's below five, I'm just going to let it go. You know, if it's above a five, then I can figure out what my next step are. But the main point is, is taking the time to have the perspective to see what the situation is doing. And this is what I think the teacher is trying to tell us. In your seasons of life, you're going to face moments where it seems like God has abandoned you. And maybe you've been through those seasons. And I think what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take those moments and magnify them, continue to whisper in your ear, God has abandoned you, God has abandoned you. But if we take the moment to step back and cast perspective on our entire life and see in the past where God has been faithful, see in the past maybe where the good things in life have, have given us life, and right now understanding, you know what, this season may pass as well. Maybe I've endured something similar to this in the past, I've made it through God, God willing, and I'm going to do it again. This is what Jesus had to say in John chapter 16. He's telling all of his disciples, his close friends, about what's going to happen. He's going to give up his life, and he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Oh, that sounds great, because in this world you're going to have trouble. Those seem like two different things. You can have peace, but you're also going to have trouble. But the reason you can have peace in the midst of trouble is that I have overcome the world. Like your hope is not in the moments, it's in the promise of what the Messiah brings. And so, again, in those moments, having the perspective, life is like a garden, it's seasonal. 
in one of his lowest points of his life, King David, after his sin has, has kind of been uh, confronted to him, he writes this psalm, create in me a pure heart. In other words, do something, do something new in me. Plant a new seed. Create in me a, new, a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We look at David's life and he has his ups and his downs. He has his good seasons and he has his seasons of you know, sin and doubt and all this, but he comes back to say, listen, this is not where I have to stay. It's a season in my life. Paul, writing to the Romans, says, we know all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Over and over again in scripture, you see God taking situations that were meant for evil and turning good out of them. So it doesn't mean that God wants the bad to happen, but he can use the bad in our lives to bring about a season of peace, a season of love, a season of whatever is next. The psalmist says in Psalm 30, sing the praises of Yahweh, you, his faithful people, praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. We may go to bed in tears knowing that, you know what? In life, in the morning, we may wake up rejoicing. So our life, there are seasons to our life. The next thing from the garden that I think we can learn is that pruning, no matter how hard it feels, is part of the process. This is one of the definitions. Pruning, the horticultural practice involving the selective removal of certain parts of a plant, such as branches, buds, or roots, which is one of the most difficult things that I have tried to kind of figure out and study. So we planted some peach trees in our backyard a few years ago. And like, at first, I'm like, I just, I want them to grow. Just leave them alone. Don't touch them. Just let them grow. Like every branch is good Every bud is good. Like every, I just want it to grow. And then, you know, I get on YouTube and I try to learn some stuff. And they're like, listen, you have to select the right branches that you want the tree to feed. There are certain branches that are not facing the right direction that are just going to be sucking the energy out of the good branches that could be producing good and better fruit. And so you cut those branches off. You pull certain buds off. And it seems in the moment like it doesn't make sense. Why would I pull a bud off, but in the long run, taking that bud off will produce better fruit somewhere else. And Jesus said in John 15, he says, I am the vine, the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, what Jesus doesn't say is, listen, if you don't produce fruit, you get cut away. And if you do produce fruit, man, you know, you just get, you get the applause. You get, yeah, attaboy, keep going. There's pain in both processes. If, if there's a branch not producing fruit, there's a severe mercy of being cut off and thrown away. But if you are producing fruit, God is going to continue working on our lives to produce more and more fruit. And again, in the moment, it may seem like 
it doesn't make sense. This good thing has been taken away. You know, this future hope, the, the door has been closed on it. And in the moment, I don't understand, God. Like, why are you pruning these parts of my life? But again, in perspective, oftentimes, years later, you can look back and say, oh, that would have taken me down a road that ultimately wouldn't be as good as where I am today. So pruning is part of the process. And sometimes the pruning means some, the loss of good things in order to receive better things. The next thing from the garden, water is needed to grow. Nothing new. Weeding is needed to survive. So who in here has ever planted weeds in their garden on purpose? Okay, no hands. Yeah, we don't plant weeds. They, just, they show up out of nowhere. You know, you take the time to make the ground good, the dirt right, fertilize. You put the seed in, you add water, you're waiting for the plant to grow, and it's like you turn your back and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, all these weeds show up. And so it's important. Water is a necessity. You have to have water to grow. And this is what Jesus has to, or this is what Jeremiah says to the Israelites uh, long ago. He says, my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. In other words, God from the beginning has said, listen, come, come to me, right? I'm like the source of life. I give you manna in the desert. I, I give you food to eat. I give you water in the desert. I, I provide for you. I am that living water for you. That's, that's one sin. They've, they've abandoned God as their living water, their source of living water, but then they have also dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Again, the teacher in Ecclesiastes would say, this is the vanity of life, right? You go and you, you, you try to dig a well of pleasure or riches or whatever it may be, and ultimately you find the water, it just it dissipates and you're left dry, drier than you were to begin with. That God is the source of living water. Jesus goes on in John 15, says, I'm the vine, here are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Will you remain in Jesus because he is this source of living water. In John 4, he meets this woman at the well and says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will, be, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Later in John 7, there's this great festival and water is involved and it says on the last day of the festival, Jesus he stands and he says in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That water, it is necessary for growth. And so, you know, let's take a little self-assessment. How connected to Jesus have I been this week? Have, could I look back on my week and say, man, I have remained in Jesus this week. I have gone to the source of living water this week. And then, you know, Based on where I am now, how would I have experienced life differently if I had connected myself with Jesus this week, gone to the source of living water? 
And then the, the other thing, the flip side that we said, water is necessary, but weeding is just as necessary. Jesus would come on the scene and he, he would say, the, your enemy, the devil, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. Like he's the father of lies and he's deceptive and he's going to plant things in your life that produce all kinds of growth that have leaves and greenery but ultimately are sapping the life from the good fruit that I want to produce in you. And so it's, it's, a, it's like a, a double-edged sword, a double-edged battle. We have to water the good things, and we also have to be aware in our lives of the things that are sapping the true life that, that God is trying to grow in us. And so what, what in my life needs to be weeded? Um, you know, in the churches of Christ, traditionally, historically, we haven't practiced Lent uh, before the Easter season. Um, at New Garden, we, we talk about it a, a little bit, but it's this idea of giving something up during that, that, that passion time of Jesus going to the cross and uh, like 40 days of just giving something up. Some people give up meat, some people give up certain foods, some people give up other things, other habits like social media I've given up in the past. And in those moments where I kind of force myself to give up something, I realize that's been a weed in my life. You know, like I've, I've been more connected to that thing, looking for life in that thing, than I have given the time to remain in the vine. And so what do I need to water in my life? What do I need to weed? And then the last observation, uh, like in a garden, have patience in the process and have faith and trust in tomorrow. Before Jesus is about to go to the cross, in John chapter 13, he he has these long discourses with his disciples, but it says during the Passover meal, they're, they're eating, and Jesus, he gets up from the table, and he goes over, and he takes over, off his like, outer robe, and he ties it around himself. He gets a basin of water, and he goes around, and he starts washing his disciples' feet. He washes their feet, and he gets to Peter, and Peter is like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, are you going to wash my feet? And this is what Jesus says. Um, Jesus replies to Peter, listen, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And then he has kind of this conversation with Peter, this conversation with his disciples, which leads to like chapter after chapter of him talking to his disciples, explaining what's going to happen. But this, this sentence here could be applied to so much of what God does in our lives. When we don't understand, God, what, what are you doing? And I think God says, Jeff, you don't, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and his mother and his disciples are there looking up saying, this is our Messiah dying on a cross. I don't understand. I think Jesus would say, guys, you don't, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Again, to have that patience in the process of, you know, God, you are God, and I am not. Your ways are above my ways. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. And I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to have patience in the process. I don't understand now, but I hope to later. I like this quote. A wise gardener plants his seeds, then has the good sense not to dig them up every few days to see if a crop is on the way. Likewise, we must be patient as God brings the answers in his own good time. So it's, it's, it's patience in the process, but
But one of the reasons we can have patience today is because of what our hope and our trust is tomorrow. It's this hope for what is to come in the future. Paul would write to the Romans again, and he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace we now stand. So we've been justified through faith. It's because of what Jesus did, and because through Jesus and this faith, we have grace. That's, that's kind of our current location. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So not in what we do, not in our own justification, but our hope is in the glory of God. Not only this, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So again, Paul is trying to get the point across that our life, we have seasons in our life. Some of those seasons include suffering, but we have to understand that that suffering produces something in us. It's like a seed planted in us that can produce what? It can produce perseverance, and that perseverance character, and that character hope. Um, we're going to talk in two weeks on, really on this, but I want to preview it today, and that is, is what you hope for shapes what you live for. We have patience in the process because our hope is not in receiving the treasure today. Our hope is in receiving the treasure when Jesus returns, and that treasure is eternal life with him. It's both a quality of life, but a quantity of life as well. Eternal life is not just a time span, but it is a quality of life. It is a life with Jesus. And part of that quality we can experience today because our hope is, is shaping how we live today. So let's review. Just like a garden, your life has seasons, okay? If you're in a good time, enjoy it. If you're not in a good time, understand it's, it's a season, okay? Pruning is part of the process. Although painful, it allows more fruit to grow. Water is needed to grow. Weeding is needed to survive. So today, as we go to the tables, we've got two up front. We've got one in the back. Each week we come and we take part in a meal together. And this meal, it symbolizes the body of Jesus broken on the cross, the blood shed for us, and that sacrifice and our faith and belief in that sacrifice is what justifies us before God so that we can live under the grace and love of God. So one of the questions maybe today at the table, whether you want to ask somebody else or you just want to ask yourself is, okay, Jesus, where do I need to water more in my life? Where do I need to remain with you more in my life? Where can I abide with you more in my life? And also, Jesus, reveal to me those weeds in my life that you can help me pull up. Maybe it's somebody else standing beside you that you say, listen, I need you to hold me accountable this week to help kill this weed in my life. And then finally, have patience in the process and have faith and trust in tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Um, we are so thankful that Eternal life starts when we put our faith in you. 
that it is a kingdom of God that is a reality right now, that Jesus rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father in heaven now on through eternity. And God, while we realize our world has not yet come under the full reign of Jesus, we pray that our hearts and our lives would, so that as we go out and we live and we interact with people, that we would be a reflection of your glory, a reflection of Jesus, that you would conform us into the likeness of Jesus, so when people see us, they see a glimpse of who you are, your character, your God who abounds in loving kindness, a God who is quick to forgive, a God who serves, a God who loves. So God, today as we all come to the table, show us the the places in our lives that are dry, and just pour out your abundant living water on those places to create new life in us. And those places that we have uh, maybe abandoned and allowed weeds to start growing, help us to, to grab the, whatever tools we need to go in and to take all those weeds out to produce more ground for you to grow good fruit in. Lord, we love you. Lord, as we go to the table, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. And through his name we pray, amen. Let's stand and let's go to the table together. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.